We are uh, going to spend some time in one of the New Testament books, uh, the book of 1 John. If you have a Bible uh, near you, uh, sitting on that coffee table, maybe the one you got at your wedding, and it's really large, you can pull that out and go to 1 John, or you can find it in your smartphone. Uh, we have one of those Bibles. I don't know if anyone else has one of those Bibles at home, um, but we've got one, and I'm pretty sure it's in storage, not on our coffee table. Um, but anyways, we're going to spend some time in 1 John. Uh, I was thinking about this concept of fear, and, and, and I've just been praying. Uh, we've kind of taken a break from our other series. And I've been praying about um, uh, what to talk about. And God really sent me to this verse in 1 John. And uh, it talks about fear. And I was thinking about fear and my, one of my early uh, experiences of fear. I, I'm a bit of a weirdo. If you don't know this already, I'm not saying that um, for uh, sympathy by any means. Uh, I probably take way too much pride in it. Um, but I'm a little strange. Uh, maybe not as strange as I think. But when I was in like middle school or something, um, I was really into the out, outdoors. I still am, but I was really into it. We'd go camping. We'd go hiking. We, we built these tree forts from third grade up. I was living outside. And somewhere around middle school, I decided I wanted to be able to survive in the wilderness um, by myself. And so one night, we had this this woods back behind our house. It was a uh, on kind of behind three other houses behind ours. So we had to walk through people's backyards to get there. But it was just this big woods, and. Uh, We'd go out there, and sometimes we'd camp, but I decided one night, I don't know if my parents even knew I was doing this, I don't, or how they felt about it, I, I don't remember any of this. My parents, God bless them, seven kids, though, they can keep track of all of us, and um, hopefully my mom's listening. Were you able to figure it out this week, mom? Hopefully. Anyways, that was mean. Um, uh, so we go, and we're, we're, we're going all the way out. I'm going out to the woods by myself. I set up a tent, and I just wanted to be able to prove to myself that I could sleep by myself in the woods Overnight, I set up a camp, start a fire. Of course, I'm by myself. I have no emotional capacity to engage in things like meditation, you know, so I have nothing to do. I'm just bored. And uh, so I go to bed early. I'm not sleepy. And now I'm sitting in a tent, and it's dark. Um, and I remember that moment. in my. I, I was like, I wanted to force through the night. And friends, I probably lasted maybe a half hour. Because I was in this tent, and I just, every noise I heard outside was something that was going to kill me. I mean, it was probably nothing. It was literally probably wind or a branch falling or whatever. But I was like, I was so scared. And it had all the recipes for fear. I was alone. Um, I, uh, I was vulnerable. I mean, I was, remember thinking at my young age, like, I'm, I'm, a tent's not going to protect me from anything. And I have no one else to help protect me. Now, the reality was I was in the middle of nowhere. There weren't a lot of animals. I was perfectly safe. But nonetheless, fear caused me to leave my tent behind. I would pick it up the next day and go home. And here's the thing about fear. Fear is 100% normal. Fear is good. Fear um, at its best tells us that there is danger, that there's something that we need to um, be watching out for, that we need to react to. Fear is really good. If you're not a little afraid when there is danger, then that's a problem. Uh, fear like pain, like when you cut ourselves, this is a good thing because it tells us that something isn't right. But fear shouldn't be left unchecked. Fear needs to have its place. It can be useful but it shouldn't be given too much power. This is what First uh, John says. Verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out 
fear. Perfect love drives out fear. I was reading this passage, and uh, when I see this phrase, perfect love drives out fear, I think a lot about um, this big struggle, the, the struggle between good and evil. And for love to push back fear is this like intense battle and warfare that like love is powerful, but so is fear, and it's this great struggle. And I thought of like something like this. I don't know. Can we put this up on the screen? Um, uh, here. This is what I thought of. So I don't know if you're familiar with this movie. Uh, it's just, you know. Harry Potter, pretty popular. And this is what I think of. Like, you've got good and you've got evil, and they're, like, hitting in the middle, and it's like this intense war. That's what I think of when I read this passage, that love casts out, drives out, pushes out fear. But that's not exactly what this passage is saying. Um, in fact, what it's saying is uh, a little bit simpler. The, the word here for drives out um, actually just means to um, toss aside to throw away. It's often used in the, the, the Bible and other places to refer to taking a, a, a branch and throwing it in the fire or, or throwing something in, into the garbage. Um, and, and, and so maybe a better picture, if you wanted to picture what it means for love to drive out fear, would, would be this. Can we get this image up on the screen? Yeah, just that. Just a simple, mundane task of tossing out a little bit of trash. And I share that with you because I want you to realize something. This isn't necessarily, I love this passage because it isn't necessarily this big divine supernatural battle. Love and fear are not equal opponents. This isn't, a, this isn't um, something where fear and love are, are in a gridlock. A, a very legitimate translation of this passage would be love throws fear away. Because where there is love, true love Divine, supernatural love, fear has no place. And, and this passage tells us that love casts out fear in two ways. I'm just going to spend a brief moment with each one. The first one is this. If you go up to verse 16, it says this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world, we are like Jesus. And he goes on, therefore, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. What this passage is talking about is something really simple. In the Christian faith, we believe that there is a day coming. They refer to here as the day of judgment. There's a day coming where um, we will, um, we are going to, uh, uh, where God is going to, to make all things right where everything will be held accountable. That, that no matter how much chaos and disorder and craziness that we experience in life right now, there's a day where God will have the final say. That's this day of judgment. God's gonna have the final say. We believe that 100%. And then we also believe that he, this God who has the final say, when everything is said and done, God who has the final say, this same God loves you. Think about this. If, if God has the final say, and we know that God also loves me and loves you, then ultimately, no matter what happens between now and then, whenever that is, no matter what happens in between, we know if God has the final say and God loves me, when everything is finally said and done, I'll be okay. This is how Paul says it in his uh, letter to the Romans we looked at last week. He says it in, in chapter 8, 
uh, uh, verses 37 and following. He says, no, in all of these things, he's talking about the struggle of suffering. He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He says, you name it, and it won't ultimately be able to separate us from God's love. We might suffer. Life might become chaotic. We might experience fear. But ultimately, we know that we're okay. Now, here's the thing I want to say about this. This truth is profound, and if you really get it, it can give you a whole lot of confidence. And I want to say that as a warning, not as an encouragement. Uh, If you truly believe that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay, that God's got you, um, it can give you, and it has given Christians throughout history, an unhealthy amount of confidence. And, And I would say that it's probably giving some Christians an unhealthy amount of confidence even right now. Now, The difference, here's what I'm saying. There's a slight difference, but a very important difference between self-assurance and selfishness. And it's possible for this kind of confidence, this kind of like God's got me, I can do whatever I want, to go from what it's meant to be to reassure us and to encourage us and to sustain us, to give us license to do whatever we want, say whatever we want, go wherever we want, think whatever we want. And that's not its point. And that's why the second way in which we love casts out fear is so important. The first one is the way we receive love. We receive love, and that love can drive away fear because we know we're going to be okay. God's got us. But the second one is essential if you want to make this work, and it's simply this. It's the way that we give love. If you go back to 1 John, it's talking there about fear casting out love, and then verse 19, it says this. He says, we love. So first he's like, God loves us. In fact, it even says God is love. But we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and their sister. One way that we can overcome fear is realizing that we're loved. And honestly, that's probably our greatest fear, isn't it? And some of you even named that earlier on in the chat. Our greatest fear, if you boil it down, is a, is a fear that we're not loved. And we can overcome that fear by knowing you are. God's got you. The second way we can overcome fear is by choosing to love other people. By choosing to love other people. I remember another story from my childhood when I was scared. I, was, uh, I lived in a small town in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how old I was, but I was walking at night. And there's something about night that just is really scary. It's the, the, the vulnerability and the fact that you can't see. It just creates, really, it was really scary. And I remember walking and I was really, I was, I had probably no reason to be scared. That's the danger of fear. Sometimes we don't have reason to be scared and we are. But I was, I was really nervous. I was really scared. And, and so I hurry up and I get home. I'm walking along the streets. I'm coming home from something. But um, uh, I, I got home. Well, later that week, I remember I was walking that same path around the same time. And I was walking with, uh, this time, my little brother was with me. And I got just as scared. But then I realized my little brother was with me, and I realized, you know, he's probably a little scared too. And so I started to reassure him. It's it's a strange memory that I have. Um, But I started to reassure him, and all of a sudden, I wasn't nearly as afraid. And I remember thinking, this is so funny, because logically, I was more vulnerable with him there. Logically, I wasn't more safe. He wasn't going to protect me if something happened. He wasn't going to, like, 
fight anybody. I mean, like, I now am more likely to be hurt if we were attacked, which we wouldn't be small town Ohio. But, you know, like, I was technically more vulnerable with my little brother there. But it was the fact that I all of a sudden stopped focusing on my fears and my cares, and I started thinking about my brothers, that all of a sudden there was this confidence and this strength that rose up. I think fear is a lot like fire. And, and someone once told in a different metaphor that when, when you have fire, um, you can throw water on it or you can throw gasoline. And, and here's what I would say about fear. Because here's the thing, for you're going to face fear. There's, if not because of the coronavirus or because of what's coming next or what isn't coming next or because you would, even if there's no fear in your life right now, you will face fear. Fear is normal and fear is healthy. But the way you respond to fear is so important. And one way to respond to fear is to think only of yourself. And here's what I'll say. Thinking of yourself, turning inward, uh, being overly concerned with how, how, how good you are is like throwing gas onto fear. It will increase your fear every single time. On the other hand, if you turn your face and your heart towards other people, and you start concerning for people who are more vulnerable than you or, or your neighbors, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you go outward and, and become selfless, that's like throwing water on fear. You might still be afraid, but it's not going to be nearly as strong. It's not going to be nearly as strong. Fear can be put out by selflessness. You, you show me someone who's really brave. You show me a movie where the character is just the most courageous person in the world, and I, I, I guarantee you I'd put money on it, and I don't even gamble. But I put money on it that they are probably, some of their strength, if not all of it, comes from the fact that they're concerned about someone other than themselves. But you show me someone who's a coward. You show me a movie where there's a, a coward or someone in your life that you know who's just a coward. And I'm, I would bet that some part of it is because they are overly concerned with their own well-being over and above other people. You want to you wanna squash fear out? You want to put it out? Turn our hearts and start caring for other people. We, uh, we want to do that as a church, and there's a number of ways that you can, uh, and I encourage you to do that. I, I just heard of one this week I'm going to share with you, if you're interested. Um, uh, ben Rule uh, called me yesterday, and he has, uh, his brother is a part of the National Church Residencies, and they have a, a senior housing over on the west side in, in the hilltop, and they're looking for people. You, you have seniors now who are living very isolated. Uh, they're not going out, and they're looking for people who will write cards, uh, kids who will draw pictures just to brighten up their day, uh, and maybe even others who will send them puzzles or games, and maybe even people who would go grocery shopping. This is something you're like, Maybe in isolation, like, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how to not think about myself because I'm only by myself. There are ways. Here's one of them. You could write a card, and we'll send it to uh, seniors living uh, at the National Church Residence in the Hilltop. You could have your kids draw a picture. Um, if you're interested in that, uh, that's, not, that's not just an illustration. That's a real thing. I would encourage you to use this as an action step. I know we're all busy. I know we're all overwhelmed. I have a three-year-old at home, and me and Alyssa are both trying to work, and I'm like, I can't add anything to my plate. But if you have time and you get to carve out a little bit, even today as part of this worship service, um, to draw a picture or to write a note, a, a message of encouragement, or you have the capacity to go buy groceries, and that's something you're able to do, we would love it. And uh, you can fill out the Connect card if, if you don't want to. You can also text or email me if you have that information. Otherwise, go to the Connect card, fill it out, and we'd love to give you this opportunity to um, do something good. And there's lots of others. Um, you can be generous. You know, you can just, you can give in so many different ways. And I encourage you to find a way to be generous. Call up a friend. Call up your neighbor. 
You might be able to go over their house, but you can call them up and you can have a conversation. You can pray with them. You can talk. Uh, check in with your small group. Uh, we'd love to, I want to encourage you to find ways that we can be the church. And when we do that, when we realize God loves us and we choose to love other people, fear is still real. It's still in our lives. We might still be afraid, but it doesn't have the power it could. So with that, will you pray with me? God, we come before you and we give you thanks. Help us to remember uh, love, that you uh, loved us first, and it's out of that love. We, we don't just live into that love and, and make our lives about us, but we don't waste the love on ourselves. We take that love that you have poured out to us and we offer it to the world. And Lord, you've called us to offer that love this season in lots of different ways. You're calling some of us to give financially to um, a variety of organizations doing good work. You've, you've called some of us to write letters. You've called some of us to call up a friend. You've called some of us to do different. Lord, you're calling us all in different ways and creative ways to respond in love. Give us the courage to do so. Help us to see by in doing so, we will become courageous. We give you thanks in your name. Amen.